How was everybody this morning? Yeah? Very good. Love to see all the smiling faces and the hugs and the handshakes. And uh, there's just something special about coming in and seeing your faces and being encouraged. And that's why I love the church. We are the body of Christ. We come together and celebrate. And there's something about making eye contact and life on life together. So I am, uh, one, incredibly blessed that we are back in person. Right? Amen. And then uh, also jumping in here today. Well, my name is Daniel Kaznave. I'm the, I have the honor and privilege of being the lead pastor here at the Bridge Church. And we are in a series. This is actually part three or week three of a series called Timeless. And we are looking at Old Testament people. Um, and in fact, we are targeting Old Testament people that hopefully or maybe uh, that you've only heard of maybe a little bit or maybe even never heard of. Some of them, uh, it's easy to read through and see some of their names and some of their stories and just kind of skip through to some of the big ones like Noah and David and Goliath and Abraham and all of those, but we're intentionally kind of picking through the Old Testament and going, okay, this is one we're looking at today, and this is what we're looking at. So today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 18, Exodus chapter 18, and we're looking at a man named Jethro, Jethro. These names in the Old Testament are pretty amazing, right? Pretty awesome. But as you're finding that, I just want to welcome you. If it's your first time here at the Bridge Church, we are honored that you would join us here this morning. Uh, We are Bible people. We are Jesus people. We're community people. And so we hope that you feel at home here. We hope that you are encouraged. We hope that uh, we get to look at God's word together as well. If you're joining us online, we love you. We're glad you're here. Comment on there. And then also, I can't go any further, but I got to say happy Father's Day to all of my fathers in the house. Thank you so much. Yes. If you want to get a picture, we have a little photo booth set up over there if you want to get a picture together. Um, And I said this to our team earlier, but one thing I love about our church is is that fathers invest in their families, but also many of you are fathers to uh, people and kids inside of our church. Uh, You you come in and you don't just say, well, it's Daniel's responsibility just to invest in his kids. No, you come in as well and say, hey, I'm going to invest in them too. I'm going to be there for them too. And so that's the beauty of the church. So thank you, fathers. Thank you, dads, for doing that. Thank you for those who take on that father figure and and take on that responsibility. That's pretty incredible as well. And so uh, I want to pray for us, ask God to speak to us during this time. But I want to give you my title because you know I love the titles of my messages, right? Uh, So today, Exodus chapter. 18 and it's called when responsibility kicks in when responsibility kicks in and so let's pray together Devin father we love you we are thankful for you we are proud and uh, just honored that we get to serve you God and that we get to open up your word I pray that it will speak to our hearts God I pray that as maybe we walked in here we signed on online and maybe we just we have a lot going on inside of our brains, inside of our minds, inside of our hearts, God. I pray that we can take a deep breath here in this moment and we can just receive your word. I pray that you will guide us. I pray that our hearts would be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and through us, God. And I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. And we ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, as I begin to think about this message, I begin to think about the uh, the term or the philosophy or the mindset of life, and that is the idea of leadership, right? And if we think about leadership, leadership can have many different definitions, many different viewpoints, right? Uh, but what does it mean to be a leader, right? Like, what does it mean to be a leader? We hear that term tossed around all the time. Like, I, I'm a leader at work. I'm a leader here. I'm a leader 
here, there, right? And uh, a lot of times, especially in America in our day and age, it, you hear a lot of these terms, this leader is almost synonymous with a person, right? Like it's, if you are a person, you are a leader. And we've seen all throughout even scripture and all throughout uh, just as we read even leadership books and, and look at different quotes. And one of my favorite quotes is, is that leadership is influence. And John Maxwell said that leadership is influence. And anytime we have influence over someone, we have the opportunity to lead, right? But if we think about leadership, there's many layers. We have to first learn to lead ourselves, right? Because you may be sitting here thinking, well, I'm not a leader. I don't lead anyone. It's just me. Well, I would kind of argue a little bit. We have to lead, we have to lead ourselves first, right? Because it's going to be hard to lead someone else if we're not leading ourselves. If we have uh, kind of grasp that just a little bit. And then it layers out and saying, okay, now that I'm, I'm leading myself, I'm learning, stepping into that, now I may begin to lead someone else, right? And then it can go even further, right? Because now I may be leading somebody else or a handful of people or a small group of people, but then we may have the opportunity to lead maybe a large team or a large, uh, maybe you get a promotion at work and all of a sudden your leadership influence increases because now there's more people listening to the words that are coming out of your mouth, listening to the ideas. But here's the thing about leadership is every time we step into it or anytime we uh, even think about leading ourselves, there's some tension there, right? It's like all of a sudden when, it, when we first walk into it, it's called almost the weight of leadership or the weight of responsibility. And because it's Father's Day, I remember the first time I brought our first kid home. And, uh, the, you know, the, that kid comes home and you, I, we were young at the time. I think we were like 22, 23. And, and so I, uh, we, we have our oldest, Lucas, and he's crying for the first time. I'm learning how to change a diaper for the first time. I'm like, what is happening, right? And then literally three days later, right, like three days later, they're like, okay, you can go home. You're good. And you're like, Wait a second, what, I, I can go home? Like, this is another human. Like, I've never done this before. You know this, right? Like, I, I'm only this old. Like, what, what do you think, right? And all of a sudden, the weight of responsibility hit, right? And you can feel that. But even outside of that, at work, uh, you get a promotion or maybe just starting a new job for the very first time. And you're thinking, wow, what, what do I do? I got this responsibility now. I have to do this. Or maybe you get the first payment, right, financially. Or you, you buy your first home. And you're like, well, what if something happens to the house, right? You start to feel feel that weight of responsibility and it's what we do with that weight and in fact uh, we see in scripture that God helps us navigate what to do with that responsibility he helps us navigate how do we lead ourselves how do we lead others how do we walk into this and in fact there is a man in the bible that we kind of introduced last week uh, because we looked at these two ladies these two these two midwives anybody remember their names Pua is one, that's right, Shipra and Pua. We looked at those two names, and so write those down, you know, it's like nicknames um, for yourself. But those two names, two lady midwives, but what we realized is that they took a stand for God. The king said, I want you to kill babies. And then they said, no, we're not going to do that. And so they found a way outside of that. And then they began to uh, allow the Hebrew babies to come alive. And we see that because of that, we see a man named Moses, right? Uh, he was able to be freed. And I don't know if you've heard the story of Moses. Well, uh, his mother knew that the king was trying to kill the, the sons who were being born. And so in faith, she put the baby in the basket. I do not recommend this at all. 
but you put the baby in the basket and she put it in the river and pushed the baby down the river in hopeful expectation that God would take care of the baby and the baby wouldn't be killed. Well, God answered her prayer and the Pharaoh's daughter went out at just the right time. Isn't it funny how sometimes we think it's uh, consequence. We think it's coincidence. But yet God begins to move and God begins to work. And the Pharaoh's daughter comes and takes Moses as a baby and begins to raise Moses. He's a Hebrew, but yet raised in the palace. And so he understands some of the Hebrew ways. And we're going to see later on uh, that God begins to burden his heart for his people, right? But yet he's in the palace, so he knows how to interact with the Pharaoh. He knows how to interact with the staff. And in fact, we see uh, through a long journey, right? Uh, God calls Moses to help the Israelites and to help set them free because they are in slavery. They are in captivity for hundreds of years and God raises up a leader and says I want to use you to help set the people free and so he goes with his Hebrew background right and also back to the Pharaoh he left and then he comes back and he uh, begins to say God wants his people free and they go back and forth and we see these 10 plagues that God places on the Pharaoh places on Egypt and at the end of those 10 plagues Pharaoh finally throws his hands up right because he's going against God he's like you know what just go take your people and Moses and Aaron leads the Israel Israelite people. And so this is important. At this time, the Israelite people, um, most scholars believe that they were anywhere. The last count they had when they left was about 600,000 men. So anywhere from 600,000 to a million, some even will go as high to say 2 million people. Moses is like, okay, let's go. You talk about leadership increase. Right? Like you talk about leadership responsibility. He goes from taking care of sheep and goats and his family in the wilderness. God speaks to him in a burning bush. They argue back and forth, right? And then he finally says, You know what? I'll follow you, God, and goes and now he's leading millions, all right? Like the one million, two million people, six hundred thousand people, and he's leading them out into the wilderness. And so they begin to wander. Just like uh, I think about myself, whenever God provides and then, you know, like six months later, uh, another problem comes up. I'm like, God, why? What is happening? Right? Like, that's exactly what the Israelites did. God provided this miraculous, he split the Red Sea and they walked on dry ground across the Red Sea. These miraculous, incredible things begin to happen. And then just moments later, they're back going, God, what do we do? How do we take care of ourselves? And God begins to take care of them. Every step of the way. Well, here in Exodus chapter 18, we say all of that to get us here to Exodus 18. Because Moses is leading these people and Moses becomes a voice for the Israelites to God. He is hungry for God's presence. In fact, if you look at this, I just love Moses because if you read his story, he's always hungry to be in the presence of God. He's the one that went up into the mountain, would spend days uh, talking to God as if he was a friend, Bible says. And there's a, there's a story where he goes up and he comes back and his face is glowing because he's been in the presence of God. Uh, but Moses, he talks to God and so he knows God's law and he begins, God actually uses Moses to establish some of the original laws that he's bringing forward. And when we say laws, he's trying to help the Israelites live the way that he's called them to live. He's like, you're free now, but yet let me give you some parameters that's going to help you. Let me give you some parameters, right? Like, like uh, thou shall not kill, right? Thou shall not murder. Like, that, that's a pretty good one if you're living in community, right? Like, shall not steal, right? Like, these are 
are good things to abide by. And he begins to give them these laws through Moses. So Moses, uh, as he's talking about in Exodus 18, uh, he, all of this is very, very new. It's brand new for these, like, say, we'll just say conservatively, a million people, right? These are all new. And so they are coming to Moses and they're trying to figure out, okay, what does this mean for me and my family? I know God had told us to do this. We used to just do whatever the Egypt, those guys in Egypt told us to do, right? We, that's all we did. But now we're thinking for ourselves. We have this relationship with God. What do we do? And that's where we pick up here in Exodus chapter 18, starting in verse 13. Everybody still good? Very good. This is how it reads. It says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. They stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw that all that Moses was doing for the people, and he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it has it. Uh, excuse me. They have a dispute. It brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, "What you are doing is not good, and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representatives before God and bring their." disputes to him teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave but select capable men from all the people men who fear God trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands hundreds fifties and tens have them serve as judges for the people at all times but have them bring every difficult case to you the simple cases they can handle themselves. They will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. What a story, right? Moses is carrying the weight of responsibility, carrying the weight of leadership. And he's not really sure what to do. And then Jethro comes in, right? It's his father-in-law. And uh, I don't know about you. I, I am blessed to have an incredible relationship with Amanda's parents, my, my in-laws. And so they're able to come in and, and talk and speak into my life. And, and they're just like parents to me, right? And so uh, we've been with them. But imagine Jethro coming in and he starts to just watch and the, the thing about Jethro is is that he comes from the line of Midianites and he is a priest okay and so he understands what it means and he knows God's decrees and God's laws and so he's just kind of sitting back you know I just picture him as kind of like one of the one of the wisest guys you know he's just kind of standing back just observing everything like mm-hmm mm-hmm right and he watches Moses just person after person after person Sun up in the morning, sun down. Moses goes to bed, come back up, line out the door, right? A million people coming up to one man, just a person after person. I can imagine Moses is exhausted, right? I got four kids and I am exhausted, right? At the end of the day, a million just in line, just day after day after day. And Jethro goes, hang on a second, Moses. Look, what, what you're doing is not good. 
You need to realize you're trying to carry it all. He said, you're trying to do it alone, right? And I love this because this is a principle for you and I. That Jethro, he felt like he could come to Moses and speak that to Moses, right? He felt like that they had the kind of relationship where Jethro said, I know Moses is going to hear me and he's going to receive this. And in fact, maybe he's even seen that he is teachable, right? And so they have this relationship. And I want to, I would love for you to write some of these timeless truths down. But you and I need people who can speak goodness and correction into our lives. You and I need people who can speak goodness and correction into our lives. And that works two ways, right? Like one, we need to be people willing to lean into other people's lives. But also, I got to be open to it, right? Like I have to, my heart has to be open to going, you know what? I need community. I need other godly men and other godly women in my lives who can observe my life and go, hey, Daniel, I was just, I was just noticing like what you're doing may not be the best. Okay, like let me, can I just help you? I've been down this road before, right? Like I, I've been here before and this will actually help you out. And I love that about their relationship, Jethro and Moses, that they had this kind of relationship where Moses received it. And he said, oh, I need, that's good. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because I am tired. I am exhausted. And people are going away frustrated, right? It wasn't good for Moses. It wasn't good for the people, right? And he said, there's got to be a better way. And they had the kind of relationship where he leaned in. And so you and I, we begin to pray. And I would think for us, maybe a great place to start is saying, God, can you open my heart to receive a word from somebody else? To receive some encouragement? To receive like a good word? Or even receive correct? some guidance, some wisdom in that. And then if you, you may be thinking, well, I don't have anybody like that in my life. And that's what we are here for as the church, right? We come in together. We link arms and we're saying we're in this thing together. You are not called to live life alone. In fact, we are walking together. I love how this is a theme in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. They're establishing churches all over and they come together. They establish elders and leaders and they come together as the church. And they begin to walk together and they're open to, to speak and into each other's lives. And so for you and I, we begin to look and say, okay, one, am I being that person for somebody else? But two, am I open and am I walking close enough with someone else so that they can speak into my life as well? And it's a moment for us to receive that because when we do, it's so refreshing, even though it may step on our toes a little bit, right? Like I'm sure Moses was like, ah, I should have thought about that, right? Like I, I should have known. But on the back end of it, he begins to see that the people were walking away satisfied. And all of a sudden he began to see this and, and how incredible is that that he received that advice. And I think about that from you and I. And the next one that I want us to get here. And the next time let's choose, we see that in verse 17. And then in verse uh, 19, this is what Jethro says. Jethro says, listen now to me and I will give you some advice. I love how Jethro, he has the opportunity right here. And he says, I have some wisdom and I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not just going to keep it right here, right? Like I have some wisdom, now I want to give you some advice. And I just wonder if Jethro was kind of in the back pacing like, should I say something? No, no, I don't, I don't need to say something. I, I, I don't know if I should say something, right? Should I say, okay, fine, I'm going to, right? And this is the thing. 
Uh, I, I had the opportunity, uh, Dave McNair, he's a leader in our church, and uh, we've been together now for about four years serving together, and he said something this week to me. We were talking about Father's Day, and he began to talk about uh, being a father, but also being a leader in the church. And he said, he said something, he said, it's my responsibility and when he said that to me, that it's like the Holy Spirit. You ever had a moment where the Holy Spirit just kind of like, yeah, right? Like just kind of shakes you and it's like, that's it. Like it was, that was good truth. Because even though you and I, when we share our wisdom with someone, when we serve, right, the next generation, not only does it add value, but it's our responsibility, right? And when responsibility kicks in, Something changes in us, right? And when responsibility kicks in, when we realize I have to have some responsibility in leading myself, right? Like something begins to change in us. Like I, I need to wake up today. I need to get into the word today. I need to, there's a part that God has called me to play. There's a part that God has given me as a responsibility, right? And one of the things I try to uh, teach my boys and my little girl is, is that we have to accept responsibility right even when we mess up like own it and say you know what i messed up i'm sorry like you know like i i received that and when responsibility kicks in everything changes right have you noticed like somebody at work who uh takes responsibility and somebody who doesn't right like they may walk past the problem every day ah that's their problem right like that, that, that's not really my problem but when the owner walks in He's like, oh, we got to clean this up, right? Or you get that late call, like, oh, I got to go in. I got to fix it, right? Because they're the owner. It's their responsibility. When responsibility kicks in, something changes, right? And Jethro, he's sitting here in this moment, and he didn't just let this moment pass by. He goes, oh, wait, it's my responsibility to pass this wisdom on. It's my responsibility to speak into Moses' life, to help him out, not just to let him sit there and flounder, right, and try to figure this thing. Because he could have said, you know what, this is Moses' deal. God called Moses to this. Uh, he, he's going to figure it out. Right? Like, uh, God's going God's to reveal that to him, right? But yet he had some wisdom. And he said, you know what, this is my responsibility to invest in Moses, to add value to his life, to help him, right? And you and I, we may have wisdom that God has called us to. And you may be sitting on a fountain of wisdom, but you may not realize it. You may be sitting here thinking, I don't have anything to offer. And I'll tell you, there are so many bridge students, bridge kids walking through here, young adults, young parents, young, young, all these people who are walking around, who are walking into some of the situations that you've already navigated. And God showed you some things and you don't have to have you could come in and say, hey, I tried it that way. It doesn't work. Right. Like, like that's wisdom. Right. To be able to look back and go, wait a second, that uh, I can tell you from experience. I know right now in the moment it feels good. It feels like that's the way you should go. That when you go and do this or go to this party or drink that thing there, like you're going to feel released in the moment. But the next day, let me just tell you how it feels. You know how I know? from experience right because and all of a sudden you invest in them now because i feel the weight is my responsibility god's given me this story he's given me this testimony and now i can help someone else navigate through that as well what a powerful moment for you and i because when responsibility kicks in it all of a sudden it wakes us up in the morning right like oh i got responsibility today right like now for me now that i have kids as a father right I, my day 
is different, right? Like I can't just go and do whatever I want to do, right? I guess I could, but I have a responsibility, right? And it's when that responsibility kicks in. So you and I may be asking, God, I'm not sure how to navigate this. Because if we're honest with each other, there are many moments in life when we feel unqualified, right? When we feel fearful. I know for myself, because God will call us to new things. And in those new seasons, we need wisdom. And my, my, I began to pray about, I was like, God, what is wisdom? How, how do we help navigate what this looks like? And for, uh, for you and I, it's when you, we take God's truth and we bring it into real life. You know, somebody who is wise, they have the truth, but they also know how to apply it to everyday life. And so I like to say wisdom is truth in real life, right? Like we take God's truth and then we bring it to real life and say, this is how we navigate that in there. And if you and I, we need wisdom, here's how good God is. This is what he says in James chapter one, verse five, verse five, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. I love how sure that verse is. That's a promise for you and I. It doesn't go, hey, um, you know, we'll wrestle with it. We'll talk about it. And if, and if you feel like you need wisdom, then maybe I'll give it to you. No, he says that with, without finding fault and it will be given to you that we can go to God and go, God, this is the situation I'm in. This is the relationship that I have. And I'm not real sure what to do next. I'm not, how, how, what conversation should I have? What should I do? And then we pray and say, God, I need wisdom wisdom in this. I pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to show me and God may bring you a Jethro, right? And he may speak into your life and you're going, oh, thank you, God, right? And we begin to look for it. You may read something in scripture and all of a sudden we get that wisdom or God may say, put a, a question or a thought on our mind and heart and we test it with scripture, right? And then we go and say, okay, God, thank you for that. You're giving me wisdom in that and I can walk in it, but yet we don't just take our wisdom. And we just don't keep our cup full and keep our cup overflowing, right? We must take what is full. And our responsibility is to empty our cup. Because what do we, if our, my wisdom cup is empty, what does God say? If you lack wisdom, come to me, right? And I'm pouring my wisdom out. And let me go back and get some more from God, right? He has an endless supply of love, endless supply of wisdom. And when we walk in community together, God begins to use the people around us. And we can invest that into, each, into our own selves, into each other. And God's called us to invest the wisdom that he has given us into the next generation. But then here in verse 21, this is what he tell, tells Moses to do, right? He says, you're not supposed to do this on your own. He says, but I want you to select capable men from all of these people. He didn't say, hey, Moses, look, just um, pick 10 people and only help them. He didn't say that, right? He's like, no, you got a responsibility. There's a million people here and we have to figure out a solution. In fact, when God called Moses to lead the Israelite people, he knew exactly how many people he was going to be leading. And he looked at Moses and I love Exodus chapter three, when God called Moses and he's having this conversation with God and he's like, hey, Moses, I want you to go and lead God people out. And what does Moses say? He's like, uh, no, you got the wrong guy. Like, I can't, I can't speak good. I have a speaking problem. You're going to call, I'm going to speak in front of Pharaoh. I'm going to speak in front of millions of people. God, you got the wrong person. Like, you can't send me, right? Like, in fact, he ha he argues with God so much that then he goes, well, I can't go by myself, but can Aaron go with me, right? And he keeps going back and God's like, but I'm calling you. And I want you to go. Like, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to help you through this whole thing. And then Moses is like, 
yeah, but can Aaron go? Right? Like Aaron is, is, is a little bit better at this speaking thing. And God's like, fine, take Aaron. You, he can go with you if that's going to make you feel better, right? Uh, because that's the goodness of God, right? Like he's still all powerful. He still called Moses. But Moses had this moment. And when Moses answered the call, God was calling Moses to something that was bigger than he can handle. Way bigger than he can handle. And Moses found out real quick, wow, this, this is too much for me. But he didn't back out, right? He didn't back out and go, God, you called me to something bigger. So th- I'm not the right guy for it. He said, no, the proper view, the biblical view of it is, yes, I'm calling you to something bigger than yourselves. Probably even something bigger than you can handle on your own. It's because I, God, want to get the glory for what is happening on earth. When I expand my kingdom, I want you to realize that you need people around you to accomplish the vision and the calling that I have on your life. Yes, you can't do it alone, right? And the timeless truth I like for you and I to get here is God calls us to work that is bigger than us, right? Like God calls us to work that is bigger than us because we may be walking around and not realizing that God has given us wisdom to invest in the next generation. And that work is so much bigger than what is happening in the moment. We learned last week that our obedience could be a setup for somebody to, for God to set somebody free, right? Because their Shipra and Pua's obedience, that following God was able for Moses to live. And God used Moses to set all of these Israelites free, right? He worked through Moses. And what if God is calling the next leader right here in this room? The next person that's going to come and, and lead this moment, lead this opportunity, lead your family, right? And you may be sitting here thinking, what's my first step? And that's first look at ourselves going, God, how do I lead myself to you? How are you how are you navigating me? Yes, I'm leading myself, but God's truly in the lead, right? Like he's the one actually leading. I'm taking the responsibility to follow Christ, to follow what he's called me to do. And now that I'm learning how to model that, now I can start to bring somebody along beside of me, right? And going, hey, this is what I need to do. This is what God has called us to. But he's called us to something bigger. And so when we feel the tension and the weight of responsibility, God wants you and I to take that weight and place it back on his shoulders because he's going to give us wisdom on how to navigate that. He's going to bring people around us to help us. And if I could say, people ask me all the time, like, what has God uh, taught you in this church planning process? And number one is God is faithful. Every step of the way, God is faithful. And every time what you and I do, COVID comes, we've got to shut down and go all completely online. What we're going to do, we're going to keep walking in faith. One step at a time. We're going to figure this problem out. Then we're going to figure this problem out. And then the second thing is, this is, this is 110, all right? This is extra 100 right here. Extra 110% true that God brings the right people at the right time. Every single time and somebody comes through our doors and going god we were just praying for somebody to step up and do that's incredible i can't believe you would provide that person right there in that moment and every time we just keep taking those steps of faith and you may be an answer to somebody's prayer they're they're praying god can you help me with this and you're holding on to that wisdom and then we step out in faith because god's calling us to kingdom work and that kingdom work is much bigger than ourselves so i want to give us here as we get ready to close uh, i want to give us everybody still okay 
Very good. And so I want to give us three takeaways. And this is directly from Scripture. This is, a, this is not an exhaustive list, but three uh, big takeaways that Jethro, he goes, okay, this is what I want you to do. And he tells him to do three things right here, here in Exodus chapter 2. In verse 19, what does he say? He says, I want you to go before the Lord on their behalf. So the first thing for you and I, if God's calling us out into something bigger, the first thing he's calling us to do is to stand before the Lord on their behalf. All my fathers in the house, we are called to stand before the Lord on our children's behalf, right? Like uh, husbands in the house, uh, all my wives in the house, we are called to stand before the Lord on their behalf. God, would you be with them? Would you keep molding their heart? Would you keep shaping them? Would you put a hedge of protection over them? All of these things, right? Maybe you're a leader in bridge kids or bridge students. Well, the, the first thing in leadership, God's calling us to stand before the Lord on their behalf. I got a list. I got names. I'm praying over their families. I'm praying over, I'm going before the Lord. And you don't know how impactful it is to walk up to somebody and go, hey, I prayed for you this week. I prayed for you over this, this, and this. And as a person, because people have told me that, when you hear that, you're like, wow, you did that for me. You took time out of your day to stand before the Lord on their behalf. One of the most powerful things we can do as a leader is to stand before the Lord on someone's behalf. It's to take that time. And so I would encourage all of us, just like Jethro told Moses, he says, hey, one of the, the first thing you need to do is stand before the Lord on their behalf. And so for you, you may be thinking, I need to lead myself. What are some things I need to go before the Lord and I need to give to him? And in fact, who are some people around me? If you're just a student in the house, maybe there's some friends at school. You're like, I'm going to start praying and watch God work in your heart and in their heart, right? Like we began to not only, God's calling us to something bigger than right now, right? Not only are we praying for now, but we're praying for years to come. We're praying for generations to come. There are people who are praying in this church, not for the generation that's going to show up right now but we're praying for generations that will be here two generations later right and the church will still be going because God is faithful he's still at work and some of us we are standing here today on the ceiling of generations prayers before us right and you and I because this thing is so much bigger than us we're going to get to heaven one day in eternity picture this we get to heaven one day and somebody's going to come up to us and go you know what I attended the bridge church you weren't there. You were gone by then. But God just showed me how you were praying for salvations in the low country. And I just wanted you to know this thing is way bigger, right? And all of these things. And then in a moment, God begins to reveal to us this thing is so much bigger than you and I. And that's okay because he is mighty. Because he is holy. He is the God that we serve. That's just number one. Y'all got to be too excited. I got to get to number two here. The, the second one that he says here in verse 20, he said, I want you to teach them God's truth. Right. That's one piece. But he doesn't leave it there. And I love this. He says, and then teach them how to use it in their life. Right. He says, teach them a God's truth, but then teach them how to behave as well. Like bring that wisdom is truth in real life. Like bring that into them. And I love this because Jesus did the same thing. Right. He taught his disciples. He had this beautiful sermon on the Mount moment. But then what did he do? He grabbed his disciples and he said, hey, let's talk about this. Let's debrief. Tell me about your family. Tell me about what's going on in your your family situation. A life own life and you yes we can disseminate information we can disseminate truth but true discipleship happens life on life right one of my favorite illustrations is we have any cooks in the house 
Um, I uh, can cook three things, okay? Spaghetti, meatloaf, and I already forgot a third thing. I can cook two things, but uh, spaghetti and meatloaf. My favorite thing to cook is meatloaf. And the, one of the ways, if you've ever made meatloaf before, you have all your ingredients in the bowl. And uh, in this moment, I've tried many different ways to mix that meat and all that ingredients, right? Like I've grabbed forks, I've grabbed wooden spoons, like, you, you know, you're trying to do this and it's just not mixing. What do you got to do? You get, I got to take my wedding ring off, right? I got to take my watch off and I got to get my hands down in every like inch of it. And I pull my hands out and it is messy and it's kind of gross sometimes. Right, but what comes out is this meatloaf. Ooh, man, make you want to slap your mama, right? Like that's a that's a southern phrase. But anyway, um, like we get that right. But I believe God's called us to some of that same work. Like, yeah, I have this truth, but He's also called us to walk side by side with people. And yes, sometimes it's going to get messy because people are broken. Right? Sin is still in this world. Sometimes it will be muddy, and you're like, God, are you sure? Are you sure right now? Right? And, and we just keep taking steps of obedience, not only disseminating truth, but saying, you know what? We're in this thing together. We're walking, we're going to navigate, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff protect me. Right? It's because God walks with us even in those moments he's not afraid to get messy right he's not afraid of the darkness because he is the light and the light lives in you and i as well we get to walk with people in that and the third one is verse 21 what does he say he says all right now i want you to uh, stand on the lord before or stand before the lord on their behalf then i want you to teach them walk with them help them to learn to behave and then he says in verse 21 but select capable men from all the people. And the third one is, is that we call them to a higher purpose. We call them to a kingdom purpose, right? We, we begin to look and it didn't say that these people signed up. No, he says, Moses, I want you to go find these people and I want you to call them into this kingdom purpose. Go, hey, have you ever thought about being a leader? And I've noticed how you're working with people and all of these things. I want to call you to this kingdom purpose. In fact, will you do what I'm doing? But I'm going to give you a thousand people, right? And he picked one person and said, you're getting a thousand. He says, hey, have you ever thought about being a leader? Looks at another person and goes, hey, I'm going to give you a hundred. And then he goes to the next person and goes, hey, I'm going to give you 50 people. I want you to help them. I want to give you 10 people, right? Like it didn't matter. The number doesn't matter. It's the faithfulness, right? He's saying, hey, I'm giving you 10 because that's what God's calling you to right now in this moment. But a kingdom purpose is so big. That 10 is huge. That's 10 souls, right? Like that is important. That is valuable. And then if it's 50 and if it's 100, if it's 1,000, whatever God has called us to, our role is to be faithful in it. But we have an opportunity as leaders to call people into kingdom purposes. So how, how amazing is it? That's part of our responsibility. Now, how exciting is church, right? Like, begin, God may start, you may start to notice some things in people. I, one of my favorite things to do as a leader is to look up at somebody, and I've probably used this question on multiple people in the room, so you guys know this, but it's like, hey, have you ever thought about, and then I'll say, what I have observed in their life observing what God's doing. Or maybe the Holy Spirit whispered that to me of going, hey, have you thought about this person, right? And all of a sudden, have you ever thought about? And God begins to do a work because now we're walking in this kingdom purpose, this kingdom hope that is much bigger than ourselves. And maybe it's Father's Day, right? And so as fathers, 
We're not necessarily trying to drive and push our kids into the peg that we think they should be in, but we go and stand before the Lord on their behalf and going, God, who are you making them into being? Now I'm a, I have this amazing opportunity to observe and go, hey, son, have you noticed that you do this naturally? Have you noticed that maybe God put this in you, right? And I'm shaping and we're helping to drive and we're calling them to, have you ever thought about, son, that you could work for the kingdom while you're doing that, right? That you could work for the kingdom while you're a teacher, while you're a doctor, while, whatever God's called you to, right? We call them into a higher purpose. And what amazing beauty that you and I have. And I love this, and I'm going to end here. And these guys are going to come up, and we're going to sing a song together. In verse 23, because this is such the beautiful piece of all of this, when you and I step into it, this is what happens. It says, if you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. He's saying, Moses, you will be able to make it until the end. When you get to heaven, God's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You stayed in the fight, not because you did it all on your own. No, you just kept calling people into kingdom purpose. You kept teaching them. You kept doing life with them, right? We're able to make it to the end. Right. Because we're bringing people alongside with us and we're able to keep investing our wisdom over and over again. And God shows us this. And then he says, also, it will be healthy not only for you, but the people you're investing into. Like it will be healthy for all parties. And it will be this beautiful uh, moment where you can see God at work in you and through you. And so that's my prayer for us as a church that we could honestly, I could do, I could look at these three things and, and focus in on these things for the rest of my life and be walking in some pretty powerful truths, right? Like to stand before the Lord. If you come into my life, I'm going to stand in front of the Lord for you, right? Like I'm going to pray, uh, just asking God to do a mighty work in you for God to, sometimes I'm praying for you guys. I'm like, God, stir their soul where they can't even sleep at night that they're just, they want God to move and work. So if you're not sleeping, I'm so sorry, but just, just, to feel the Holy Spirit at work, calling us to a kingdom purpose, right? Like stand before the Lord. And then if I'm, I'm just investing the wisdom that God is teaching me, God's not saying, I want you to know every single truth in the Bible. He's like the truth that you do know that's in your cup. Be able to pour that out. Walk along somebody and going, hey, have you ever thought about this? We begin to call them into a higher purpose. Hey, have you ever noticed this about your life? Right. And that's that happens. Philippians chapter two, when we start to think of others above ourselves, I'm not walking into the room going, oh, I need to think about this. No, I'm walking in the room and I'm observing. Right. I'm looking at other people's lives and going, wow, do you notice you serve every time you come like it's second nature? You may have a spiritual gift of serving. Have you noticed like when you stand up and teach the Holy Spirit just woof, begins to move through? Have you noticed that you always constantly are in a conversation with somebody and it leads to God's truth? You may be evangelist, right? Like you may, like all of these things we start to observe, we begin to call people into that. We begin to see that what God is doing. God's called each and every, every single purpose, every single person in this room and listening to my voice online. We can step into this. God can empower you and give you strength to do all of this. It's because the weight of responsibility is on his shoulders. And it's my job to surrender and just keep following him. 
keep following him and he fills me up and I empty it. He fills me up. It keeps me so close to him, God, because I just keep giving everything to you and you just keep working through me. And all of a sudden we see God at work, not only in our lives, but the lives who are around us. So I just want to pray for us here today. Ask us, uh, ask God just to begin to uh, speak to our church begin to speak to our hearts and lives. And I would just say, maybe if you're looking at these three action steps that we talked about today, which one is God calling you to? Begin to, to do is it that stand before the Lord on the people's behalf in your life? Is it teach God, begin to teach God's truth and show them how to use it? Is it start to be observing? How am I calling people to a kingdom purpose? And so as we pray for that, just ask God to begin to reveal those things to you, to speak to your heart of what that may be. And my prayer for us is that we would step into that. We would step out in faith towards that, what God wants to do. And as always, if you're hearing all of this and you hear me talk about the Holy Spirit and how he leads you and guides you, that when you become a child of God, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, that we receive the seal of salvation. That is the Holy Spirit. That's God living and dwelling and changing and molding us into his image. And so if you've never given your life to Christ before, I would love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you here today and give you a hug and, and show you the goodness of God. The gospel is the good news. The rescuer, his name is Jesus. To take that burden off and to give it to Jesus. And I'd love to pray with you here today. And so let's pray together as a church. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. We are so thankful that we get to be a part of your multi-generational plan. God, we are just blown away that we're reading stories from thousands of years ago and that truth is still timeless. God, we are blown away that you would look in 2022 knowing that we would be here in this moment in this year during this season and time of our country, this season and time of the world. God, and you're calling us to a kingdom purpose. God, and I pray that you would take the prayers that are in this room and online and that you would not only use them for this generation, but we're praying for generations to come. God, I'm praying for kids and their kids and their kids and their kids to come to know the Lord because of obedient, faithful steps that were taken today. God, I pray that you do what only you can do. That is change lives and change hearts. God, I pray that you begin to reveal things in us, God, that you are calling us to. I pray that you reveal maybe gifts and talents and how we can use them for your glory, God. I pray that you show us how to uh, follow you in pursuit, God, how you can help us in our own life first. God, and as we begin to follow you, we help somebody else out in that journey as well. God, we love you so much. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.